Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. And I'm Arnie. And despite a lack of new merchandise in stores, we have a big show for you this week. We're going to be talking about some gentle giant items I got in not too long ago, as well as some new things online for pre-order. Brock is going to be joining us with a review of the latest Star Wars novel, The Last Jedi. But first... Store report. Wait, uh, did you say store report? I did, because news from Jedi Temple Archives had me do something that I hadn't done in a long, long time. What was that? I went to Kmart. Ooh, painful. Yeah, I didn't really want to go to Kmart. I don't like to go to Kmart, and I think this is my first time going to Kmart in well over a year. And I'm sure listeners are going, well, Arnie, that's not right, because Kmart had those exclusives earlier last year with the ATST and the Ewok packs. Well, I lucked out. Jonathan, host of Republic Forces Radio Network, sent me a text message before our Kmarts had gotten them, before most Kmarts had gotten them. He was standing in front of all the exclusives and offered to pick me up a set, so I was able to get all of those without even stepping foot into that store, which, for new listeners who may not know why we don't like Kmart, it's a long-time grudge that goes back to when they declared bankruptcy and took away all of their employees' pensions and retirement funds, and then emerged from bankruptcy with enough money to buy Sears. So, I dislike them at a corporate level. On a personal level, our store is dirty and grungy, and it appears to have no air conditioning. You don't need climate-controlled store. It's not like they're selling food. Oh, wait. Not to mention they still price sticker. What is this, 1981? They don't even use the price stickers. They scan everything at the register. I don't know. It's keeping sticker gun makers employed? Perhaps there's some sort of big adhesive mafia going on <laughs> in the world and we don't know about it. And if all of that wasn't enough, they're more expensive than just about every other store with the exception of perhaps Kohl's and Toys R Us. So all these things combined... I really do only go to Kmart when there are exclusives, but Jedi Temple Archives had reported that the exclusives from last year, those Endor sets, were really getting marked out. Somebody reported the figure two packs at $5.50 apiece, and yes, I know, Marjorie, before you even say it, my list of things to customize is very, very long, but I still like the idea of someday getting enough extra Ewok bodies that I can paint them up after our dogs and have chihuahua-colored Ewoks, and even my older dog's Yorkie-colored Ewoks. Okay, we'll let you do that, absolutely. It's because I hit the dogs, isn't it? All right, I want these custom Ewok dog figures. We're going to have to put a time frame on this. Well, I started that idea back when my Yorkie was still alive, and he's been dead for many years. So, <laughs> the time frame, can we shoot for before I turn 50? All right. And even though I no longer buy three of every vehicle... Reports of those Endor ATSTs showing up in the 10 to $15 range. I could use a couple of spares. Well, our Kmart was dark and depressing as usual, and it took me forever. They'd rearranged the toy section, so now the action figures and things were on a totally different section of the store, very close to gardening. Gardening? Yeah. That's where the toy section has been, though, is right by the garden. But the action figures had been a couple aisles over. Now they were out on what it used to be, like, the kids' impulse items where you'd see the little plastic vehicles and the really cheap kids' toys. Ping-pong ball guns, that sort of thing. And it was really depressing. 
So depressing. Not a sign of vintage. I know those vintage figure refresh waves are shipping for those who missed out on a lot of last year's figures, which is pretty much all of us. They had a few blue-carded Clone Wars figures, tons of Angry Birds, tons of Series 1 fighter pods, and just a couple green-packed of those mini-rigs and a green-packaged fighter pod Republic gunship set. But really, it was hard to even call it a Star Wars section. But I kept looking around because there was not a sign of any exclusives. And I know I live in a town where there's a lot of collectors and scalpers going on. We have a scalper store. We do. And it's hard to find exclusives in our town and new waves. You're racing a lot of people for a small amount of merchandise. Had that stuff gone on clearance, I'm sure it would have been cleared out. But I did look around and found a toy island in the middle of electronics. Weird place for it. That had a whole bunch of ATSTs on it. And I'm like, yeah, there they are. The price sticker showed a markdown. Original price $33, now $31. Oh, so they have the Walmart markdown. But Jedi Temple Archive said that the Ewoks and some of these other sales weren't even posted and you had to scan it. So I was still excited. I mean, they had the ATSTs. People have been getting them for a month for $15. Surely what happened was because it wasn't marked, nobody bothered to scan it. And I'm walking home with six ATSTs. So I took one over to the scanner, scanned it. $31. What? Yeah, it stayed on the shelf. So it's not a national sale. It's just certain ones still. I guess it's the your mileage may vary. Exactly. Now, maybe RK Mart did mark down those figure two packs. I, again, don't go to Kmart regularly enough to know if they had them a month ago or six months ago or ever, but no sign of them at ours. In non-figure shopping news, listener Ryan Bees, who has found his way to Carnegie Hall, the directions were practice, practice, practice. (laughs) He went to a Walmart and found a nice Star Wars wooden clock. Now, I'd seen this advertised online before, but it's now in stores at Walmart. I think it was at Entertainment Earth originally, wasn't it? That's where we saw it initially. It's probably much cheaper at Walmart than Entertainment Earth. It is. It's only $15 at Walmart, and this has the old school poster art with Luke shooting towards the viewer, Vader in the background, Leia and Han shooting in the background. Just the really classic original trilogy art there. So if you need to know what time it is in a Star Wars fashion, check out a Walmart and $15. But lest we become too focused on ourselves, it's nice to know that internationally, new figures are being found. It's just us, and I mean U.S., (laughs) that are having this kind of a drought. Listener Javier sent us in this voicemail, which we'll play for you now. Hey, Arnie, Marjorie, and Swan listeners, this is Javier Lacroix, Darth Lacroix from the forums, calling in with a little report on what we've been getting here in the Mexican galaxy. 2012 was a pretty good year for collectors in Mexico. We got lots of figures during the year, sometimes even before they were released in the U.S., until the last quarter of the year when we basically stopped seeing new figures, especially from the vintage line. Instead, we got tons of fighter pods that are still warming the pegs today. 2013 started quite slow also, but I am happy to report that we are one of the lucky countries that have just received the last wave of the Clone Wars figures in the Yoda packaging. I almost couldn't believe it. They're not everywhere yet. Right now they can be found at a store called Aurrera, which is a division of Walmart with a little bit lower prices. But according to Hasbro Mexico, these figures will be distributed normally in our country. So I guess it's just a matter of time until we find them at Walmart and the other regular retailers. Although Hasbro did say that we would probably not find them in large quantities. Scalpers are fierce and they immediately started snatching these figures to sell them at ridiculously high prices on eBay or the Mexican equivalent which is called Mercado Libre. But I was lucky enough to find the whole wave waiting for me in one of the stores after a little hunting. I was thrilled to find the 501st Clone Trooper, Captain Rex and an R2-D2 for my son, and I also couldn't resist getting a Darth Maul and a Savage Opress, even though I already had them from the return of Darth Maul Battle Pack, but hey, 
Just like the ginger prince said, these figures seem to be so rare internationally that how could I just leave them there? And I was also able to help some friends by getting them these figures before they disappeared from the stores. Uh, it is always nice to be able to help some fellow collectors. And we are also seeing the last wave of the Movie Heroes line also in the Yoda packaging. I found the complete wave a couple of days ago in a store called Juguetron. From this wave, I really wanted the Sand Trooper with his light-up weapon. I'm a sucker for these light-up figures. So I was finally able to get it. All these figures, the Clone Wars and the Movie Heroes' last wave, are still not so easy to find here, but if they become more available, I would be happy to help any Swan members getting these figures at cost plus shipping, so you don't have to pay awfully high prices elsewhere, although shipping might be a little expensive from Mexico to the US. But if I can be of any help, count me in. Hasbro Mexico has also told us that we will be getting more vintage figures this year, including the Lost Line Wave. We'll see if that's true. But for now, also this week, I found some figures from the vintage line that I hadn't seen before in my country, such as the Gamorrean Guard, the 501st Legion Clone Trooper, and the Arc Trooper Commander, which I was very happy to add to my collection. So overall, good news for us Mexican collectors, even though it's been confirmed that this year we will see the Black Series 6-inch line in our country, but the 3 and 3 quarter inch figures we will not get here until next year. So we win some battles and we lose some others. But it's all part of the thrill. Thanks for the great work guys as always and may the budget to collect be with you. The budget to collect. I like that. That is really cute. I thought that was really clever. Hi Javier! And thank you for helping out some of our listeners getting those figures. And it's not like these figures, as Javier said, are showing up in abundance overseas. They're showing up some, which is more than here in the U.S., but not that they're drowning in these extra figures. And along this line, I want to give a shout-out again to our host, The Ginger Prince, who gave away several figures in the forums. He was on the show last week talking about it. He'd found five of the figures from the Clone Wars wave, and he'd said if he found the other Clone Wars figures, he would give those away as well. And he, in fact, did update his contest, so one lucky listener was helped out in the forums that way. But if you didn't win, definitely hit up Javier or some of our other international forum members to see if they can help you out. And finally, if you just want the entire case, the prices are going up, but... Amazon does have some in stock from a store called Toys on Fire. They're about 200 a case, and they have both the movie heroes and the Clone Wars figures. So there are ways to get them, but a little bit painful at around 15 to 20 a figure. Ouch. But you just got to think, it is not all that long until the Black Card series starts showing up. I mean, it's hard to believe, but with a week already passed since we went to the Wizard Con and... C2E2 just a couple of weeks away. I'm really starting to feel the heat of Celebration Europe 2 and San Diego Comic-Con. And at the very least, we're going to see some black 6-inch figures at San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm wondering if we'll have them hitting the stores even before that. Seems like a lot of stuff hits on Comic-Con. So often, it seems we've gone to the airport and on the way to the airport bought stuff. Yeah, that happens a lot. We will go to catch our flight, and hey, look, there's a Target near the airport. Let's go to the Target, and I have to keep figures in my trunk while we're gone. Outside of figures, there's some other sales online. First of all, I know that several people have jumped on this when I posted it to our Facebook page and our Twitter page, but I want to let all the listeners know that there is a limited edition Star Wars print being offered by artist J.K. Woodward. Now, I remember we talked about him before. He had basically everything he owned wiped out by Sandy back in November, and he has been slowly rebuilding his life along with a lot of other people out in that area. And he's going the opposite way, and he's moving to California. So he needs to raise some money. Now, he's got a really great print, a great Star Wars print. It's called Training Day, Luke's Training Day. And it's a great Yoda, Luke, R2-D2 with a... Darth Vader in the background. It's really a great piece. Yeah, I like it because it's very easy to envision 
that where Darth Vader is is the cave where Luke would go in and has his trial against that spectral Vader. And I love the wash he does on his art. I've actually gotten a couple of custom pieces of art from him. He'll sometimes take commissions through his Twitter feed, and I've gotten some stuff from him. And what he did right now for this, we previously mentioned him because he took some of his older prints he had and put them up at a tremendous deal right after Sandy just to get some emergency cash. But now he's taken a whole new series of prints, stuff I'd never seen from him before, and he's only making these available for two weeks. So if you like this print, you need to hop on it really quickly because then he's going to retire all of these prints. So that's what makes these really limited. And I know Jason, who runs yakface.com, Scott from Tulsa, Jay, our photo editor, and me, we've all jumped on this because the print is only $15 shipped. He also has some other prints. If you like some other franchises, he's got a Batman, a Power Girl, a really nice Star Trek one that's full color, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a couple Marvel ones with Wolverine or Scarlet Spider, Doctor Who meets the Borg, which is J.K. Woodward is a comic book artist who's done the DC Star Trek crossover comics, and then another Star Trek one called The Needs of the Mini Outweigh the Needs of the Ood. <laughs> We're going to have a link to this limited print run from our homepage at SWActionNews.com, or you can go to jkwoodwardart.blogspot.com to find a link to this. But I think Star Wars collectors are really going to want this print, because with only a two-week limited run, it's going to be nice. And I've again, I've gotten some art from him before, not just custom art. I've bought some of his prints before. They always come on really nice paper and really well-printed. Also for art collectors, Acme Archives has a new item up for pre-order, and if you're saving money because there's no Hasbro products in stores, this will take all of it and more. I'm kind of perplexed by this item, actually. I, I don't, I guess I don't understand its purpose as it's the only thing like it out there. No, they've actually started these back with Celebration 5. They just don't make them very often. Ah, is that what it is? Okay. What we're talking about are the spec plates. And I remember that they did one for an X-Wing and a few others, but this one is a Star Destroyer spec plate, and it's totally different than the other ones, because the other ones were really small, they were kind of character key size. This one is 3 feet wide and 17 inches tall. It is a limited edition, they're only making 25 of them. That's crazy limited edition, but they're very expensive. It is $1,800. Ah! And what it is, is a wonderful architectural schematic of a Star Destroyer with all of its vital specs, layouts, just all kinds of details. This would be incredibly impressive at three feet by almost one and a half feet on a wall, especially nicely framed, which if you're spending $1,800 on something, you wouldn't cheap out on the framing. And it's on an aluminum metal plate. This isn't on paper. All of their spec plates have always been on aluminum. Nice silver color, and to have just one of 25, it's certainly a niche item, but a really nice one. I toyed with it. I think in the absence of actual Star Wars figures to buy. Is it burning a hole in your pocket? It might be. I did not purchase this. I'm not going to purchase this, but the thought of a three foot by one and a half foot spec plate be a really nice piece. Then I realized it's the price of six premium format figures and put my credit card back in the wallet. It is, but what are you going to do with it? What if they don't make any more? It's not necessarily needing to be part of a series. It would go wonderfully over, well, currently the best Star Destroyer I have is I think the Hasbro one that they came out with back in, I think, 96 when they did that limited run of the Corellian Corvette and the Star Destroyer ships. But if FX Collectibles ever made a Star Destroyer, this would be the perfect companion piece. It would be, yes. If that's not your speed... Entertainment Earth also put up for pre-order a very, very nice Underground Toys Boba Fett watch. Hmm, did Fossil lose a license, I wonder? I haven't seen a new Fossil watch in ages. No. So either they may have lost it or they may have just given up on it. I, I think this is a good collector's watch because it's a little ostentatious with the Boba Fettness. I really like the Mando symbols on the wristband. I think that's very cool. The one problem is... I've had watches that I've worn for years. Wristbands are always what get the most wear and need to be replaced. Yes. And so if this wristband got worn 
you'd never be able to replace it with these Mando symbols. I think the first thing I would do is take this to a watch shop and have those bands removed, despite being really nice, so that way I wouldn't put the wear on it. Yeah, just if you're going to wear it. Yeah. They're also green, which is kind of odd. It's his color, I understand, but who wants to be wearing a forest green watch on their arm? Well, the band is kind of a blackish green. The face of the watch is green. I like that it has an old-style swatch-type face guard. Oh, yeah, the little face guard that is kind of nice. It just took me back to the swatch ads of the early 80s on MTV. Mm, I remember those. This watch is $210, so it's certainly not a kid's watch. My biggest problem is I really can't remember the last time I wore a watch. I started to try to wear a watch just as accoutrement a few years ago, but... Anytime somebody asks what time it is, I just pull out my phone. I I just don't know what time it is a lot of times, I'll be honest. That's why I have you. Over at Superhero Stuff, which is one of my favorite places to get t-shirts, they've got some really cool ones. And if you want something unique, they've got some really different things that you won't see a lot, which is kind of cool. Yeah, they have put hundreds, literally hundreds of new t-shirts online in the past week. And a ton of them are Star Wars ones, making me feel bad for... Like Duncan, when we talked to Duncan about being a completist and he buys one of every shirt, this is going to get expensive. It is going to get expensive, but the nice thing about superhero stuff is they almost always run a sale for 10 to 13% off, sometimes a little more depending on what's going on. But they've got some really cool shirts. They've got some new kids ones, which are really cool. And the kids ones, I think, sometimes are really great. They've got a little Chewbacca Wookiee of the Year old style football jersey kind of shirt for kids. The one I really like is the Visit the Death Star. It doesn't look like the old-timey postcards, which would be even better, but it just looks kind of cool. It's a neat design on a navy blue shirt. There's not enough navy blue shirts out there, in my opinion. (laughs) They have just a ton of stuff. I kind of like the fancy R2-D2 Women's Junior shirt, if you're looking for yet another Star Wars tee, Marjorie. Do you mean the costume t-shirt? It's got R2-D2 with a little bowler hat and a mustachio. Oh, he is very fancy in his mustachio. Yeah, they have that one. They've also got some Star Wars knit pajama pants, which are always fun to wear, and then boxer shorts, which are really cool. Although Darth Vader's nose is kind of in a bad location on the boxer shorts. And they've also got a Chewbacca costume tee. Not furry, it just has printed (laughs) fur-like With the bandolier. If you want furry, they also have a Chewbacca robe. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I wouldn't want to get it wet is my thing, because I'm afraid that Wookiee fur when wet would stink like wet dog. It probably does. I guarantee after the trash compactor scene that Chewbacca probably stunk really bad. Just a ton of different t-shirts here, plus other tchotchke items, like a Star Wars travel mug in a nice gray color if you want to take your coffee on the go. Something I've not seen before are special seatbelt keychains for, like, your car seatbelt. I don't know what keys you're keeping in your car. Certainly not your car keys, because that would really invite a thief to smash that window and take said car. I think they're for, like, your belt loop, so you can be one of those people that carries your keys on your belt loop like a janitor. Oh, Okay, it says seatbelt, and it kind of looks like a seatbelt. I see what it's doing there, but it is, I guess, it's a belt loop type thing where you just hang your keys from your side. Yeah, it's a seatbelt seat, and it goes around your belt, so you look like Joe Dirt. Also, if you want to be a little Flava Flav, they have a big Star Wars chrome necklace for $26. I know what someone's getting as a late Easter gift. Woohoo, yay me! Not really. From the shirts, I always prefer the simple shirts. And I really like that they have just the symbols going on. What's nice is if you really were not able to find the Mon Mothma action figure from Episode 3, they also have her for $9. And I would say, superhero stuff, the average discount is 12%. I usually don't buy unless it's 12 or more off. But right now, they're only doing 10% off your whole order if you use code CAP10, C-A-P-1-0. It's close to 12%, so if you really want a Imperial logo polo or something. I'd say buy now instead of that 2% savings. Now from Gentle Giant, a number of items are shipping. We're going to be talking a little bit more Gentle Giant later in the show. Entertainment Earth just got back in stock their Jumbo Greedo figure. Now we reviewed this back right after New Year's. I picked it up from their site directly, Gentle Giants directly, but it is now available 
at Entertainment Earth for $70, one of the few jumbo gentle giant figures that I own, and I'm really happy with it. We keep it here in the studio, and I look at it often. Lovingly, even. They also just got in stock, and I know this because I got my shipment notification, the exclusive Scout Trooper Ewok Attack Maquette. It was 100 bucks, which is a little bit more than I'm used to spending on animated-style maquettes, but these three ferocious Ewoks going after that Scout Trooper, when I saw that at San Diego Comic-Con last year, I had to have it. I pre-ordered it for fear it would sell out. It is also available through Gentle Giant's website, only to Gentle Giant Premier Guild members, but it's available right now in stock at Entertainment Earth for 100 bucks. We will be reviewing that on an upcoming show because I'm really looking forward to getting that thing. It's just so dang cute. There's nothing like a ferocious cannibalistic Ewok. I'm not a fan of the animated style maquettes. I just, they don't do much for me. And I don't know that I really like these Ewoks. I do love Ewoks and I, I'd like to prefer that they're soft and fuzzy creatures. I understand they have to kill the Empire, but I just don't like necessarily how they've done these. It's very playful and I think it would have been cuter if it had not been animated. See, what I like about it is the animated style. And I wouldn't necessarily have gone with that just for a scout trooper. But I really like what they did with the Ewoks there. I like how they're almost cell-shaded in their color. If you went more realistic, the Ewoks wouldn't be quite as striking. They wouldn't be as bright. The one hanging off his arm has almost a Charlie Brown zigzag on his arms, which is kind of cute. You know, like Charlie Brown's t-shirt. And that's what makes it even funnier, is if you tried to make this realistic style, yeah, you could do it, but it wouldn't have the anachronistic, cute violence that this piece displays. I'm just not a fan of the animated style. I'm sorry. Maybe it'll change your mind in person. It might grow on me. I don't know. You, you liked it when you saw it at Comic-Con, but Comic-Con memories fade quickly. They do. And sometimes it's just like, hey, that's kind of cute. Oh, we found something else. Let's go. Now over at Star Wars Action News sponsor Brian's Toys, they have a lot of stuff in stock from new to vintage. They do have the Jocasta new figure still in stock, which is their exclusive figure. For all you people who said, I want Jocasta new, I want Jocasta new, go get Jocasta new. Also, FX Collectibles has a couple items that are going to ship soon. You can pre-order from Brian's Toys. And these are the less expensive stunt type of items from FX Collectibles. They're now doing the Luke Skywalker Return of the Jedi Hero lightsaber, which is the one with the brass. On the tip, which is the one when Luke is captured by Vader. It's the one you get the close-up of, which is actually quite a bit different than the one he uses for most of the movie. But that is available now and only $100, a lot less than their other sabers. Or a Stormtrooper prop helmet for only $159.99. The FX collectible stunt sabers and helmets, they don't have all of the detail. And they're not made of the same materials as the... Very expensive prop replicas FX Collectibles makes, but it's a nice way to get a good display piece at a very, very reasonable price. And remember, when checking out from Brian's Toys, be sure to mention you were referred to them by Star Wars Action News. Now, it's almost May, which means it's almost time for the Star Wars Weekends at Disney World, which is going to be the first Star Wars Weekends now that Disney owns Lucasfilm. I don't know how that's going to be, if it's going to change anything. And now that the Clone Wars are no more, they're still having Ashley Eckstein host, but she was a formal Disney person before she was on Clone Wars. And it'll be interesting. They don't get the same level of guests when we started. They get more of the Clone Wars type characters and that kind of stuff. I think it's because the Clone Wars kids show yeah. appeals to kids. Disney World, they go for that families thing, kids thing. I think if you get Billy D down there, which is who we had when we went to the Star Wars weekends. And Anthony Daniels. Yep. Remember we waited in the hot, hot sun for his autograph. Oh, I remember very well. But Anthony Daniels can at least do the C-3PO voice and everyone will know who he is. He also did the Clone Wars. Whereas Billy D, unless you're a big Undercover Brother fan, I'm not sure he's very recognizable to young kids. Probably not. No. No. Not at all. What? They released the merchandise that's going to be available for the Star Wars weekends, and it's very heavy on the Mickey, and it's also Return of the Jedi themed. So what you're saying is they're slipping us a Mickey? They are slipping us a Mickey. We've got 
Mickey on a speeder bike. There's decals. There's a picture frame. The Star Tours name tag, which I think they've got all the time anyway. Some cups. It looks like Chip and Dale are like playing as Ewoks with Mickey on the speeder bike. There's a thermal coffee mug. There's a poster art calendar. I'm telling you, there's some really nice things here. I am really wanting quite a bit of it. I really like the coffee mug with Mickey and Chippendale on the speeder bikes. I like the actual coffee mug far more than the travel mug because it has the full color art. But I like it on the mug more than I like it on the pins where they try to give it like the 3D effect. And they're also adding a deluxe autograph and photograph book. For the Star Wars weekends, which is kind of neat. And then they're going to have a Jedi Mickey Starfighter. The Starfighter, Yakface pointed out, also reveals something very telling. It has an astromech in the Starfighter, but that's a different dome than they've had at the Build-A-Droids before. It's kind of a burnt umber color of astromech dome. There have long been rumors of new astromech domes and parts hitting the parks this year. I wonder if this is something where... Those who go for that early Star Wars weekend are going to be loading up on new parts again. I just hope, last time with the Build-A-Droid parts, the forum members were so helpful in helping me keep track. If there's not an easy way to keep track of what's new and what isn't, if it's not a total refresh, I may just kind of sit back and hold off. There was a huge frenzy for them during Star Wars weekends last time, and then, around the time of celebration, they restocked and have had them ever since, so I'm not feeling the urge that I felt a year ago where it was a mad rush to get all of them. They're also going to have a Salacious Crumb latex character, which is kind of cool. I kind of like him. He's kind of fun. There's some new Vinylmations, Arnie, and one of them may interest you, maybe even two of them. There's a Han Solo Frozen and Carbonite. That I'll have to eBay. And there's also a Gamorrean Guard. He's very cute. The Admiral Akbar is tremendous. I love the Ewok. The Ewok is really cute. He really lends himself. But Fortuna, not so much. No, they're really going for the Return of the Jedi theme. And there's two Ewoks, and they're both adorable. True. I was looking at Wicket. Nainam is interesting. There's also going to be a Jabba vinylmation that's bigger. He does not look right. It. I cannot say what it looks like. If you ask me in person, I will tell you. I will tell you that it's also not appropriate for me to say in front of your children. To me, because it's not Jabba-shaped, it's not elongated. It's standing up. It looks to me like nothing so much as Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. Well, he doesn't have pepperoni on him. No, but that kind of drippy, droopy thing, that's what I'm getting. I love that he comes with a tiny, salacious crumb that, vinyl That is cute. Continuing the Disney Cars line, there's Star Wars Cars, like the movie Cars again. There's a thermal detonator hot potato game, which... I kind of like that. It might be kind of fun. I agree. Looks like they got some more Muppet characters as the Star Wars characters, including the chicken, which is awesome. The chicken shows up in a couple of different sets, so a lot of Star Wars Weekends merchandise. We toyed, no pun intended, with going to Star Wars Weekends this year, but with Celebration Europe and all the other conventions we're doing, we won't be going. But I'm guessing that some of this Star Wars Weekends merchandise, much like the new Star Tours figures we talked about a while ago, will be available online. In the past, the Vinylmations have not been. The Star Wars Vinylmations have always been Disney Park exclusives, whereas the other Vinylmations have been online and at your local Disney store. I'm curious to see if, because those things are so hot, and now that Disney owns Lucasfilm, if they're able to make them a bit more widely available. Then again, they still have to honor all of Lucasfilm's contracts, so if there's something where... Hasbro saying, wait, no, because we made mini mugs and mighty mugs, we have the Star Wars vinyl license, except in the case of exclusives, that as long as Hasbro has that license, they won't be able to make those at the Disney store. Well, I'm kind of glad we're not going because I don't think I could sit through hyperspace hoopla again without becoming violent. <laughs> you remember hyperspace hoopla. I will never forget hyperspace hoopla. I just want to shake those people and ask them what the hell's wrong with them. Somewhere in this house, I have a full video of Hyperspace Hoopla from when we went in 2002, or maybe it was 2003 to the Star Wars weekends. I think it was 03. I think it was. And I videotaped the whole thing on an old bulky camcorder that actually took DV tapes back before memory sticks and hard drives in your camcorders, kitties. I don't think they've changed the show. <laughs> I don't think they have... 
We did see a glimpse of it when we went to Disneyland. They still had the hyperspace hoopla, and they still had the horrible, horrible, horrible puns. Yeah, that's worse. I, I imagine if I was like six, I would laugh hysterically, and that little kids were laughing. But all the adults are going, oh, really? Yes, the guy from the planet Mulleton. Yeah, and then they says, all my NASCAR fans get that. Every single time. Coast to coast, folks. Two drink minimum, I'm here all week. Speaking of conventions, San Diego Comic-Con, really starting to ramp up. It's really close now, it's kind of panicking, but I've realized I got my plane tickets, I got our passes, and I have our hotel, scored a great hotel deal at the Courtyard Marriott. Not a bad hotel, with free breakfast no less, so it's going to be decent this year. I'll at least get breakfast, I know, maybe, possibly. For the second year in a row, they're also having a Course of the Force again. Last year, if you remember, for $500, you could run one quarter of a mile carrying the lightsaber torch relay from Los Angeles to San Diego. And yes, it was $500 to buy in, and you got a swag bag, which I will say I heard a lot of people were disappointed in, not gonna lie. It had some Star Wars sunglasses, tattoos, and band-aids, and then you got a custom Hasbro FX lightsaber also, which turned out to be a regular FX lightsaber from Hasbro with just a sticker on it. Really? Yeah. That's That's, all it was. It wasn't uh... anything special or unique. They took, I think, the Luke sabers and threw a sticker on the hilt. Mm, with the that's... course of the force. They've come back this year and perhaps they realized that the $500 buy-in was a little steep because I admit I was all gung-ho for it until I found out it was $500 and they don't even give you an opportunity to raise the money. You just pay it. It's not like, you know, where I can get people to donate 25 bucks or $5 or whatever. You have to pay it and even to register. This year, it's $150, but you also have the opportunity to raise additional money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and they're giving away prizes to the top fundraisers. So not so bad, but you still can't raise your injury fee They've shortened it, the time frame. They're starting it at Skywalker Ranch in a special private invitation-only event. It's longer this year, and it starts on July 9th. The downside is it ends on July 16th. So if you're going to Comic-Con, which preview night's on the 17th, you can't participate. Yeah, it's kind of problematic that they announced this long after most people have made their Comic-Con plans. If you live in California, obviously it's not a big deal. But I think this is something you would do, but... We would have to now change our airplane tickets because we're getting in the night before. We're getting in the evening of the 16th. Yeah. So we aren't there for this course for the force. No, and I would really love to do it this year, but I can't because of when we arrive. And we're even coming in early for Comic-Con. And the 16th is the day before preview night. It'd be great if it ended with preview night like they did last year. Which would be great, but they're not doing that. So, once again, I get shafted on this, but it's still a great cause, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. For $150, you get a swag bag and a special FX lightsaber with probably stickers slapped on again. Still, 150 is a much more reasonable thing. I was bulking at putting up $500 last year. Most of the charity runs you do are $25. Now, you don't get an FX lightsaber. No. You get a t-shirt and a have a nice day, but 500 Yeah, it was a little bit hefty, and I prefer the ones that do the fundraising because then you're encouraged to actually get more. Exactly. You did a stair climb earlier this year for the American Lung Association and raised almost three grand for it, several hundred of which was our own donation, but also we far exceeded even your goal by going out to the community. Exactly. And this is something I like to do, and the $150, again, I do it in a heartbeat, but the timing is just really bad, and it's very exclusive of many people who would be attending Comic-Con be willing to do this. I think they're making a big mistake. And I will tell you, last year, because they ended on the preview night, like around noon, I think, that time, and we'd gotten in the night before, a few days before, I contacted them to see if they had any spots left, because like, hey, I'll do this. You know, I can get $500. We'll, we'll run this. It'll be fun. They had tons of spots left. The PR guy told me they had miles and miles and miles that were not going to have runners because $500 was too much for people. So it's nice that they went ahead and lowered the price. Be curious to see if it makes a difference because they've changed the timing. It's like they can't quite get it right to get everybody involved. I'd almost like to see it as an event that would take place, like maybe just a 5K part of it or something during Comic-Con. I mean, you did a zombie run obstacle course, which I think was for charity, wasn't it? No, it was not for charity. Oh, it was just for profit? It was for greed. Okay. But you did one of those at Comic-Con last year, 
And I could see having it as an event, especially on, like, Saturday when so many people are at Comic-Con and get people to do something like that to raise a lot of money because you've already got all these people at Comic-Con. And I know by Saturday at San Diego, I don't want to be in Hall H. No, and I will tell you what. For 25 bucks on a free t-shirt, I'll run any 5K. I don't care. You give me a cool shirt. I don't even need a cool shirt. I just need a t-shirt. You don't even get a t-shirt in this, which I think is kind of a bummer. But you get a bag. You get a bag, but I'd rather have a t-shirt. The t-shirt would be cool. But yeah, a 5K would totally rock. 5K, 10K, whatever. It would totally rock. Maybe they'll consider that at some point. But again, this is disappointing. It's great they're doing it again, but it is disappointing in the logistics of the event and the swag bag, which I understand is for charity, but this is what donations are for from your sponsors. Well, to transition from that to a couple of reviews, Brock is joining us this week. A Star Wars novel came out a couple weeks ago, The Last Jedi, and he is here with his thoughts on that. This is Brock. Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison with a spoiler-free as possible review of The Last Jedi by Michael Reeves and Maya Catherine Bonoff. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. Jax Pavan and his friends are tasked with transporting the head of the Resistance against the Empire, at this stage called Whiplash, to Dantooine from Coruscant. And along the way they are bordered by Darth Vader and his legion of troops. Jax and his crew leave the battle badly beaten as Darth Vader kidnaps Yaman, the Whiplash leader, and Jax's loyal sentient droid I-5 is blown to pieces. Vader curiously leaves Jax alive, and Jax, carrying the head of I-5 and the remainder of his crew, narrowly escape their disintegrating ship as the Empire's agents presuming they must have all died in the wreckage. Jax and company now have to get Yaman back from Darth Vader, before Vader is able to extract any vital information that will set back or destroy the Resistance once and for all. The Last Jedi is not officially the fourth entry in the Coruscant Knights series, perhaps because most of this book does not take place on Coruscant, yet the characters from that series are all here, and the story picks up where the last book ended. While they do explain the events of that last book, Patterns of Force, in detail here at the beginning of The Last Jedi, the more familiarity you have with these characters and situations, the more you will get out of this book. My enjoyment of these characters and wanting to spend the time with them got me through some of the lulls in this novel. So while this story could work on its own, and you very well may enjoy it that way, you really will get much more out of this novel if this is your fourth adventure with these characters. Michael Reeves is back to write this new Jax Pavan adventure, and he takes this opportunity to tell a much darker story than he has in his Coruscant Knights series, where Jax first appeared. If you may recall from my reviews here at Star Wars Action News of the first two books in the series, which you can find in the archive section at SWActionNews.com, I liked them fine. I felt the idea of a noir detective story in the Star Wars universe was a good one, but the books never really took off for me. Free from the structure of those first two books in the series, along with writing partner Maya Catherine Bonoff, create a story with a much welcome, darker tone. I don't know why Reeves brought a co-author in here, but based on what I read in this novel, it seems the character work was the benefit of their collaboration, as that is what defines this novel more than anything else. The plot summary I gave a few moments ago is a bare-bones description of the spectacular opening battle. There really is much more that goes on there than I could describe now, for even a slightly more in-depth plot summary would have to give away an early surprise in the book, as this confrontation is the linchpin for the story that follows. This opening battle scene wherein Darth Vader kidnaps the Resistance leader, Yaman, is an incredible page-turner. Rarely do we get this sort of confrontation to start a Star Wars novel. Too often we get a short adventure that introduces or reintroduces the characters to the reader, provides just exposition stuff, or conversely, perhaps something more in the line of a James Bond movie pre-credits sequence adventure. But here they use this opening confrontation as a springboard into the rest of the novel, putting in motion the journeys of our protagonists like a strong novel should. While the authors do a lot right here in the opening, 
I just didn't follow the logic of Darth Vader leaving Jax Pavan alive to try to escape the ship with his friends. It made little sense to me and bothered me for the rest of the book. Vader says he has his reasons and there is much theorizing by Jax on why Vader did so, but it is hard not to see it as the authors needed this opening scene for the rest of the character work in this novel, and you can't kill the main character in the first battle, so let's make up this bogus reason for Vader to not just kill him. And it continued to bother me, because after Vader left him alive, and the Empire presumed they were all dead because their ship was completely destroyed in the battle, our heroes know this, and they revel in the fact that no one's looking for him. Yet, a few chapters later, while in disguise, Jax Pavan makes force contact with Vader for like a moment. And Jax spends a whole lot of time wondering if Vader knew it was him, convincing himself and then his friends that Vader didn't really know it was him, And but he's not really sure that's the truth. And so it went on and on. And it only just capitulated the problem for me that Vader didn't strike down the last Jedi he knew existed as ordered. And if that wasn't bad enough, it keeps getting worse. Later in the book, Jax has dealings with Prince Shizor, who deals in information. It is conceivable Shizor or one of his Black Sun colleagues could let the information out that Jax is still alive. If Jax has convinced himself and his friends that Darth Vader doesn't know he's alive, you tell Black Sun you're alive? This contradicts the concern of Vader's knowledge of him still existing. You see what I mean? There's a whole lot of time spent on this paranoia about whether Vader knows they're alive, and at the end of the book, it really didn't matter. Jax's journey in this book is about him regaining his balance after this opening confrontation, and that drives the character in this book. And given the history we know of him in the first three Coruscant Knights books, this exploration of self was the right way to go with this character. Not only do we get Jax's reflections on death and loss, but change. How he resists it. How he has to force himself to do it, to accept it. I found those passages poignant and a tad haunting. We've all been there in our own lives and we can completely empathize with what he's going through. And you will be surprised at some of the decisions Jax makes along the way. Decisions that lead him to some un-Jedi-like places, making some un-Jedi-like choices. And I like that he fully admits his struggles with his emotions and elements that typically go with a fall to the dark side. His teetering on that edge makes the character interesting. And if you've read the other Jack Pavan novels, you will be happy to know we get some resolution to the crystal and the Sith holocron he carries around with him. The Sith holocron stuff was some of the most interesting material in this book. I could not put the book down during those passages, even though it felt a tad bit disconnected from the rest of the novel, they do manage to tie it in nicely enough. Entertaining character I-5 follows Jax from place to place, as he and his longtime friend Den try to find suitable parts to rebuild his body. But while I-5's dialogue is once again snappy and his interaction with Den is, as always, quite amusing, this I-5 plot is clearly a parallel to Jax's plot. We read how Den and the technicians piece together I-5 from different droid parts and completely different droid models. I-5 tries out different combinations, sees what works, sometimes looking ridiculous as he figures out what will do for now, what he wants, and what is needed, coming to understand how different parts and modifications make a better him. And all of this is going on while Jax is putting the pieces of his life together as well. The authors provide some cool moments and some needed levity putting I-5 in various sorts of droid bodies, and they use this convention to great success throughout the book, especially in the climax. The major subplot of the book revolves around Tudin Sao, Whiplash member, spearheading an attempt on Emperor Palpatine's life. The character work on Tudin Sal is some of the best in the book. We can empathize with this guy, and while we don't always agree with his decisions, you can understand his point of view and why he makes these crazy decisions. Yet, here's the thing about the subplot with Tudin Sal grasping at this too-good-to-be-true opportunity to kill Emperor Palpatine. While I like the idea of events that taught resistance groups like Whiplash the hard knocks of going up against the Emperor, and reading about one of the presumably many failed attempts to overthrow the Emperor in the years prior to Return of the Jedi, we all know, of course, that this plan of Tudin Sal's is going to spectacularly fail. We know the timeline of the events in the galaxy, so 
in this sort of case, it is the author's burden to make it compelling, to make us, the reader, forget our meta-knowledge and buy in or buy in as much as possible that this team has a chance to pull this off or, in fact, actually do their plan. And sadly, I did not get that here. No matter how much strategy was discussed, pieces put in place, or character motivation we were given, the authors couldn't get me to an invested point of immersion. The book lags in the middle, as they have a lot of character work going on, but not a lot of plot to hang it on. Once you strip away the character work, you realize the plot of The Last Jedi is thin, and it goes in circles, back and forth to one system, to another, and back again, all leading up to the foregone conclusion that they're going after Yaman, and they're gonna see Darth Vader again. The MacGuffin of saving this whiplash leader is seemingly almost forgotten at times. While I do like a lot of what the authors are doing here, especially the great, strong character work and the higher stakes than the last book, this middle section gets depressing, and it feels like Patterns of Force did, that the book is just killing time before it can get to the climax that we know is coming. But thankfully, the last 120 pages or so really picks up, and The Last Jedi finishes quite strong. The Last Jedi is what I would call an uneven book. <laughs> there is plenty to like here, but plenty that frustrated me as well. The authors seem to have plans for Jax Pavan beyond this novel, and I look forward to his return, and I always welcome a return of I-5. Perhaps all this time spent fleshing out these characters and putting them in these new places in their lives will pay off in spades in their next adventure, and I look forward to reading that as soon as possible. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. Now, continuing EU, or quasi-EU as it is, also out just this past week is LEGO Star Wars The Empire Strikes Out, now on DVD. Kind of disappointed there was no Blu-ray, since I did see this in high def when it was on regular television, but I'll take the DVD over nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing, you're right. Plus, you get a super cool minifig with it. Which is the real reason I bought this is the exclusive minifigure of Darth Vader with a medal. And I love that the medal is an imperial symbol over it. It was really cute, though. It was very amusing. The Emperor deciding to build a second Lego Death Star, and Darth Maul coming back and competing with Vader for the Emperor's best apprentice place. I'm not sure it's entirely canon, but... Hey, if they brought Darth Maul back for the Clone Wars cartoon, they could bring him back for this, right? Exactly. Now, this figure, we actually had one of already, thanks to Lego at Toy Fair. Yeah, we got him on a special card, which was advertising the DVD. The DVD comes with no bonus features. I know with all the Lego stuff that have been put out with the Star Wars videos, I always keep hoping that some of the older ones might show up as bonus features, but... This is definitely worth $10 at Amazon, especially when you take into account the extra figure. That said, I haven't broken the shrink wrap off of mine yet, and not rushing to do so. It was cute, but if it wasn't for the figure, I would have waited for a cheaper sale, I think. Perhaps we'll take it the next time my niece and nephew are in town. They love Legos, and they love Star Wars. Seems like a perfect babysitter. Also this week, we wanted to talk about a couple of items, since not a ton of new stuff shipping, or especially in stores... There are a couple items that I got earlier this year that we've been waiting to review. They're both from Gentle Giant, and they are the Premier Guild exclusive mini busts. The first one is the Rebel Fleet Trooper, the guys who we saw in the Tantive with their wonderful black and white hats and their guns with the silver barrels. It's a troop-building character, but I think they did a pretty good job on the bust with the wrinkles of the clothes, the color of the outfit... The facial expression's a little comical. He looks like he's concentrating on passing gas. Yeah, I kind of have the, do you smell something? Yeah. Face. 
The nice thing is, is because it's just generic trooper, they didn't have any face to compare it to, so it can be anybody, and you can make up your own name for him, so you can't criticize the face. He probably works at General Giant and stepped in the laser scanner. And it's a wonderful likeness of whoever it is. <laughs> the only thing I don't like is the wash on his shirt. It makes the shirt kind of look tie-dyed. See on the arms? Yeah, it has definitely a bit of that. You are right. I didn't even notice that till you pointed it out. But it's a couple different colors, and it almost tints purple. Yeah, like a very pale lavender. I like the pose. I like the detail on the hands where they did the fingernails. Hmm, that is interesting. I guess because my only way to look at aliens, I don't notice things like that. The one thing, I always look at these and wonder what's going to break. I'm guessing that finger, the trigger finger. I'm guessing the antenna on the helmet. Oh, I didn't see that. He kind of blended in. Yeah, that antenna has got a short lifespan, I'm guessing. I imagine there might be a few where that showed up pre-broken. It's weathered, Arnie. That's what it is when you get it like that. This is limited to 700 pieces. I got, I think, 473, maybe 475. The person doing their numbering had some uh, handwriting issues. But it's a nice, basic mini bust. It is a good addition to a mini bust collection, but certainly one that's going to fade into the background much like the character itself. Then the second one I got, straight from the EU, a Republic Commando mini bust. Unlike the other one, this is a hefty, bulky mini bust with a giant backpack, big armor, and... He has a special feature, a light-up visor. Okay, that's really cool. That's that's I like that. I think he doesn't look so much like he's from the Star Wars universe, though. He looks like he's from Halo. He's a little bit too angular and a little bit too chunky in the design. It makes me think of Halo. I can agree completely. That's kind of a problem with a lot of Star Wars designs when you get to the video games like the Old Republic and the Republic Commando video games. Especially since Republic Commando was done for the Xbox One, graphics weren't what they are, things were just more angular and polygonal. At first, I wasn't sure if mine came pre-scratched, but I think he's just a little bit weathered. He does appear to have some weathering, he's got some dark spots, and not really clean lines on the paint because I think it's supposed to be weathering. It's like he's been in either a dust storm or an explosion. I love the light-up visor effect, though. It's blue. It comes out just a little on the chin as well, but the visor he has, the T-visor with then the split inverted Y for the lips. It is very cool, and it's a very good blue. It's like airport runway light blue. Yeah. That's the best way that I can describe it is when you're flying on an airplane and you see those pretty blue lights. Here's my only question. When are you going to use the light up feature? When are you going to use that? And you can't obviously leave it on. And you can't leave the batteries in for long-term storage because they're going to leak. We all know batteries leak. So what are you going to do? I'm going to turn on my trooper today. And then you're going to go and flick his switch and admire the blue for a little bit and forget about it. And then the batteries are going to run out. Then two years later, you're going to remember and then they're going to leak. Did I just describe the life cycle of this trooper? Funny enough, I was already thinking about I have to make sure to remember to remove these batteries before I put him away. (laughs) I have that feeling with a lot of the light-up things, not just this bust, but even huge items like the Millennium Falcon. It's, you are showing off your collection, and if you remember, you go, oh, wait, let me flip this switch. It's when you're showing off a collection that you do it, but I can't imagine the time that I'm in my own collection where I'm like, let me go through and flip every on switch and make sure that the batteries haven't leaked. Normally, I just keep the batteries out of things and everything from little Hasbro toys all the way up I like the sound effects ones. Every so often, just for my own fun, I'll walk past a plushie and push the button and hear Chewbacca roar, Vader say a line, or Wicket chirp angrily. But the light-up features, especially the ones where you have to turn it off, it's not a few seconds duration. It's a great novelty. It's executed really well. But yeah, I don't know how often you're going to pull this out and flick its switch. Well, then each time you handle it, you increase the risk of breaking something. He does not have any obvious breakpoints, though. I'm going to give them some credit. There's no antennae. There's no protrusions. It's a very solid bust. I feel this one is durable. Unlike his specific counterparts, Scorch, and the rest of the colorful Republic Commandos. But now, obviously, you're going to display this with the other Republic Commandos if you have the other Republic Commandos. And it's kind of like the fifth beetle. The four colorful Republic Commandos are a squad. And now this guy's... Also there. Maybe he's the mopey guy. He's the roadie. He could be that, yes. For those who missed out on the Republic Commando set from the video game with the colors, it's a nice Republic Commando to have. 
It makes perfect sense to me as a Premier Guild exclusive because... First of all, with the light-up features, you honestly feel like you're getting a bargain only paying the Premier Guild membership fee. I could see this being close to $100 if it was at retail. Absolutely, because of its size. And the electronics. Now, this one has an edition size of 950. I got number either 771, 772, or 777. I think I just someone slopping these on. At least I could tell the first seven sevens. True. So I guess it's not 777 as the third digit is not legible, but the first two are. But I thought these were good to review as they've revealed their next year's Premier Guild exclusives, and I just find them to be a little bit more lackluster. And what I'm reading in the forums is some agreement that they've dug out an old, old mold of Darth Vader and now used translucent blue plastic to make him hologram. There's nothing new or exciting about this Revenge of the Sith era sculpt. The Mace Windu... We've talked about him before. I just don't feel he's very Mace Windu-y. Windu-y? <laughs> he doesn't look like Samuel Jackson. No. But these are early, early pictures. I still have hope that maybe in person or the final product may look a little bit better. Usually it's the reverse. The final product looks a little bit worse. But I'm really happy with these two from last year. So I'll pick up both from next year. I always get all the Premier Guild exclusives. I'm a sucker like that. But my Premier Guild membership auto-renewed. I'm more excited about the Mace Windu than the Darth Vader, but I'll end up with both, I'm sure. And with that, we bring another episode of Star Wars Action News to a close. We are not going to have a show next week. We're going to take next week off. So remember to go ahead, and if you find anything in the store, online, or anything cool, drop us an email, send us an MP3. Or a voicemail at 415-508-JEDI. And while we take that week off, you can hear me over at Republic Forces Radio Network on a show released last Friday where Jonathan, Jerry, and the guys, including myself and the girl, Jen, discuss the end of the Clone Wars, an episode recorded about a week after the announcement of the Clone Wars cancellation. And also stay tuned as they will have their Season 5 wrap-up show over at Republic Forces Radio Network very soon. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. 
Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew and Barrett, associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Superhero Stuff, which is one of my favorite websites for t-shirts, just put up a bunch of new Star Wars t-shirts that you may want to check out. They got some new kids ones, and I actually really love the kids' Chewbacca jersey shirt, because it's like an old school football jersey. Baseball. No, that's football. Is it football? I Alright, whatever. Yeah. I'll let you handle the computer stuff if you let me handle the sports stuff. Deal. Okay. The authors seem to have plans for Jack's the authors seem to have blah, 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 blah.